2: Hello and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I'm your host, Amy Ravel. Kirsty is not with us today. She's not well. And so um, I have the honour of interviewing one of our friends of the podcast, Nick Bryan. Nick, welcome.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
2: Why don't you introduce yourself, tell our community a little bit about your story, um, who you are, what you love doing, about your family, and just give us... Some of
0: why we've got you on the podcast today. Sure. So Nick, Nicola is actually my name and I go by Nick and I live in Sydney with my husband and three children. I'm a mum of boys. I have twins who are seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. go boys. boys are the best. <laughs> and I have a three-year-old. Uh, I work part-time as a high school, secondary school visual arts teacher. And by part-time, I mean one day a week, which is pretty nice. And I work part time at home as an artist as well,
1: mm. and the rest of
0: the time I'm just wrangling my children. So <laughs> just wrangling, I'm the pretty children. busy. <laughs> yeah, just just putting my feet up, drinking tea yeah, all that's day. Right. Yeah, having
2: a having a little siesta every day. I bet. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so, so they're they all two school.
0: Yeah. yeah, they're in grade one. Yeah. Awesome. Just at our local public school, which, yes, we're very happy with. And uh, the little guy goes to preschool two days a week. So those are the two days that I work. And, yeah, the rest of the time he's with me. Actually, I do work as an art teacher at his preschool one morning a week as well, which is oh, pretty that's fun. that's so lovely. That yeah. would be a
2: very different experience to doing high school art. Yes. Or do you find that it's actually quite similar? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, totally different. Uh, the, the preschoolers talk and the high schoolers Don't. Oh yeah. Well, the high schoolers talk to each other and grunt a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have two teenage boys, and that's absolutely how they communicate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean I'm joking. Of course, high school students are amazing, and I just love I love teaching them. It's really it's a special world that you enter when you step into a classroom. Very surreal the first time that I went back to Mm. teaching because I had a different career before I came a secondary school teacher. Uh, It was really weird stepping back into that classroom for the first time. But anyway, so you don't need to go down that path. Maybe <laughs>
2: tell tell me and tell everyone, how did you come across the art of de-fluttering? How did our paths cross?
0: Yes. Um. So my third son had been born. He was about three months old and I was living, I just became quite overwhelmed. I had a lot of stuff in my home, like so many of our listeners I'm sure <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a really I'm very environmentally conscious, so I'm quite conscious about consuming things. I don't really buy a lot of new things, mm. uh, but I do accept a lot of donations from people. I'm that person that stops and checks out the pile on the side of the road <laughs> and thinks to myself, yeah, I think that that, you know, whatever item could work for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I hadn't really been doing a lot of that. We were in a rental and when we'd moved in, there was a lot of furniture that was left there, solid, heavy stuff. And I know from your podcast how much of a problem that can be. And it really was because it was really big, old, heavy furniture and it Mm. sort of was just we couldn't move it. There was no inbuilt storage. So the wardrobes there were useful, but not that functional and we it was a big house it was a four bedroom house we moved there when i was pregnant with the twin boys and I was actually not home the day that we moved in. I was off having an ultrasound.
2: Oh, wow. That's so, a lot of trust that you instilled
0: in yes. whoever was managing that. <laughs> my husband and his friend were there, but I think they were busy with boxes. So pieces of furniture got put in places where we didn't want them. And we were able, of course, to move a few things, but things stayed as well where they didn't need to be. Well,
2: particularly and, when you're pregnant, you're like, well, yeah, the cost could not effectiveness move. of my time and energy. Yeah
0: yeah couldn't and couldn't lift anything either yeah Mm. so jumping forwards uh three and a half years when the little guy was born what we had was a junk room uh, with so much paperwork all of my childhood sentimental stuff and I'm talking about like my parents had sold their house and given me the contents of my childhood bedroom um wardrobe I had high school university notes, teaching notes. <laughs> I had <laughs> my art stuff, you know, paint, paints and actual artworks. I had uh, fabrics and just so much stuff. Mm. And then a filing cabinet. Anyway, it was full. Cool. Yeah. Completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And I had a baby who wasn't sleeping. So <laughs> And it was three-year-old all too twins. Much. And three-year-old twins. So I googled decluttering and I found a few things and then i thought no i need a podcast because i need to be able to listen to this at night when i'm washing the dishes or whatever mm. and found your podcast and just completely binged on it <laughs> like so many people do i think you're up to about episode 100 at that time that was uh mid
2: 2019
0: yeah mm, and so you've hung around yeah i have yeah and you, it's the fun binging because-
2: didn't put you off <laughs>
0: Oh, no, I, it became like I was listening to my girlfriends every night. Yeah. It was really good. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, actually just yesterday I went onto the Facebook community and mm. looked up my name because I was just interested to see the history of my journey with the art of decluttering. Oh. And it was quite fun because there was a lot of stuff I'd posted and shared, and including a photograph of my junk room. And it's nice to look back on that and just reflect on how far I've come in three years. I didn't actually
2: know you could do that, but of course you can. You're in the search base, but your own name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a fun thing to do. I didn't realise how active I was on that Facebook page until I saw the name.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the good thing, isn't it? Because it's somewhere you can come and be and pop in and out of as the seasons change and as you're into decluttering or as you're busy and back at work and doing different things.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Tell us, mm. um, too, you you've joined our Head, Heart and Home course. Do you remember when you joined?
0: Well, yes, my my searching gave me that answer, actually. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember because it was February 2020 and obviously everything was about uh, to change. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so actually I think we were all starting lockdowns during our Head, Heart and Home session we or were, just at the I end think, of it. Yeah, yeah, I
2: think we were travelling that very uncertain time together.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we were. So it was really great for me, that head heart and home course. I just was, I really wanted to have, I, I live in the same suburb. Oh, sorry, not the same suburb. I live in the same city as Kirsty. I knew mm-hmm. she was around, you know, I really wanted her to come to my home, but knew that I'd probably need her to come back many times. And so I thought, look, it's a probably um, uh, a more convenient or a better use of my funds. If I sign up to the head home, mm. head heart and home course. Because I feel like it might better equip me with skills that I can apply long-term
1: myself.
0: Now, I did have a lot of those skills just from having listened to the podcast, but I'm really a visual learner. So it was quite helpful to me. And also, I'm a a person who needs accountability and to be part of the community, to be really motivated and driven. So the The course really ticked all those boxes for me. Having infographics and videos and things on the screen, so I could kind of. It was really consolidating my mm. my le- the lessons I'd learned yeah. from listening to the podcast, and just really nice to be connecting with women and men actually from across the world.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and and sharing our journey and people that were going through some big stuff, but were still showing up every week and working on their decluttering. It was really inspiring. Mm. So I, and I think one of the one yeah. of the
2: great things about the course when there's a live round is that you do get to kind of become friends with these people. Um, yeah. you know, I've heard of people within the community that have caught up and gone out for lunch together because they're in the same area, and I'm like, that's the best. Like, yes. I really love that this shared passion for simplicity and intentional living can connect people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing another live round now and there's an artist in the group, there's a teacher in the group, and there's just so many shared things that we have. There's so much that we have in common, but also so much about about our decluttering journey that is similar. Another teacher is decluttering her classroom and I've just started in a new school in a new classroom that also needs decluttering. So (laughs) it's just kind of fun. I can see myself having lunch with some of those ladies for sure.
2: That's the best. You know, one of my favourite decluttering jobs ever was when my kids were in primary school, the school hired our team to go in and declutter and organise the art room. It was the best. So we managed to sell. There were some big storage items in the art room that just weren't being used for taking up a lot of space. And rather than putting them in the skip, which was the suggestion, I was like, I think I can sell these. Anyway, they sold for so much more online than I even dreamed that they would sell for. And Mm. it meant that we could use that money to buy all new containers for the art room. Nick, it was like the best thing ever because there was a storeroom and so we had all these clear containers with labels and it was like pipe cleaners and bottle caps and the art teacher could just go in there and grab the resources that she needed. Um, And it was so much fun. Like my little year (laughs) nine, Amy, who loved doing that stuff when I was at school, just had a blast.
0: Yeah, I would love that. And also for the students, so much better to step into a classroom that is Mm organised. It's a more inspiring space. And I mean, that's what we're about to talk about is how having a decluttered space really breeds creativity, I think.
1: And also that
0: teacher can send a couple of helpers into the the storeroom to get things and they'll be able to find them. They can find it, come back and then pack up afterwards. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. And the teacher doesn't have to do it all because it's all labelled and easy to find. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exciting.
2: (laughs) Some of the things that we often talk about is that decluttering leads to creativity and productivity. And we talk about it in the workplace. We talk about it with our NDIS clients. We talk about it with everyone because that, We often have the misconception that minimalism or um, having less and being organised means that it's clinical, but actually what it does is it takes away some of the chaos so that creativity can flow and shine and be replicated, not just, I was creative this day and now my house looks like a mess and I can never do it again. So yeah. I would just love to hear your journey with that. Um, I think it will be a great encouragement to our listeners and there will be plenty of people going, oh, wow, yep, <laughs> this, is, this is the bomb.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, creativity had, I mean, I've been I've been an artist forever, you know. I found a poem when I was decluttering, a poem that I wrote when I was seven that talked about how I wanted to be an artist and maybe I was told I'd be a good artist so I believed it. Anyway, I did study art at university, did that for four years um, and one thing led to another and I worked in marketing for eight years before mm. becoming a high school art teacher and then having all my children. So the creativity sort of for me, it was it was there floating around in my brain, but it was definitely not coming out of me. I'd mm. I'd have thoughts. I found that my creativity, my my best creative thoughts and ideas would come to me when I was out on bushwalks in the quiet and in the calm with my kids when they weren't speaking. <laughs> <at me>.
2: Beautiful.
0: <laughs> or like I went away. Love- <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go.
2: <laughs> It sounds like you still had the creativity in the marketing side of things, I imagine. But was it the artistry that had mm. taken the back seat, or did you feel like the creativity had taken the back seat as well?
0: Yeah, the artistry. You're right. Yeah, mm. I, I, mm. I did. It was really creative work that I was doing in marketing, coming up with sort of yeah marketing campaigns and also just visual mm-hmm. promotional materials, billboards,
2: yeah, advertising yep. that kind of but stuff. The artistry, Working with graphic the designers. Heart. The hard
0: yeah. stuff was missing. Yep. and also in in the marketing role, I was in the entertainment industry. It was quite quite formulaic. I was getting sent marketing material from overseas. There wasn't a great deal of design involved. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: I just really wanted to be making my own art again, but didn't think that was something that I could have an income from. So, also knew that I well in my heart I felt that I'd be a great teacher, and my mum had been a high school teacher, and she was very happy the day that I told her I'd signed up to do a teaching degree uh, and it really was it's been a great fit for me I think I think it's it's something i meant to do mm. but yeah I um I, I don't think at that point when I went into teaching that I felt the need to be making art mm-hmm. it's really something that sort of happened for me in the last few years Mm. Yeah, anyway, I, I remember as well going away with girlfriends and having this quiet time and I just started writing and writing down ideas for children's books, which is something else I'm quite interested in and have been since grade six when my amazing teacher, Aww. Miss Anna Blakeney from Lane Cove Public School, <laughs> brought an author <laughs> into the school. Yeah, well, you know, because I think we need to honour the amazing teachers in our lives and she was awesome. And she brought an author into our class and and I was really inspired by that. So I started writing down ideas for children's books and talking to creative girlfriends about, you know, how could I bring this to life? And one of them said to me, the story I wanted to write was about these children, my own children, of course, who were collectors. We would go on bushwalks or to the playground and they were picking up stuff, um, bottle tops, gum nuts, Plastic lids, soy sauce, fish—those little fish that come with the sushi, <laughs> yeah. uh, lollipop sticks, hair clips—and and they were bringing them home, and they had buckets and buckets and buckets of stuff. So it was quite funny because I'm decluttering, and meanwhile, my children are collecting <laughs> literally rubbish and bringing it into the home. Yeah. <laughs> and most children weren't doing that. Most children were sliding and swinging, and my boys were scrambling around in the bushes, mm. competing for who was going to find the next treasure. And I found that interesting. So I thought that'd make for a good story. I guess also to, uh, you know, I felt a little bit like my children, are, you know, a bit self-conscious, I suppose. Mm. Ever so slightly, not really. I mean, I kind of accepted that this is what my children were doing, but I th- I felt that there was maybe a bit of judgment from some other parents around watching me just allow my children to pick up rubbish. Yeah. This was pre-COVID. I think it would be different now. I'm, I'm certainly yeah, in my youngest. you probably just tell them to wash their hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's what we did when we got home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was going on this journey, this path, and thanks for sticking with me on this story. <laughs> And I I started writing a children's book about the Bowerbird boys or the Bower boys who collected things and thinking about how I could illustrate the story. And and naturally, I thought I need to use their collections and and a bit of an homage to Jeannie Baker, the amazing collage artist, illustrator that Australians will probably know well, certainly if you've been educated as a kid in the last 30 years oh, in Australia, yeah. <laughs> you'll know who Jeannie Baker is yeah sort of uh using that style of collage to create illustrations and kind of didn't know how to start and and this creative girlfriend said to me why don't you just use those collections and make art and it doesn't need to be the illustrations of the story you've written why don't you just start making art and that was great advice thank you Jenny so <laughs> I did and uh and that was sort of the beginning and and that actually started in March 2020 and suddenly i had the kids at home with me and life just slowed down
2: mm.
0: we were a really slow living kind of a family already but it was really nice to not have to get everyone out the door to preschool in the morning yeah and yeah i just found myself weirdly I found myself with time because I wasn't working I suppose
2: yeah even though you had little ones around you had perhaps the the freedom and flexibility of time
0: yeah and because I'd been decluttering so madly and I had set a vision during the head heart and home course that I wanted to have a creative space for myself and I'd cleared enough stuff out of the junk room that it was no longer a junk room. It was an Yay. office,
1: <laughs> and I had a
0: desk, and I had some inspirational little pictures that I put up for myself. And I was able to go in there and feel calm, mm. and then the flow, the creative thought thought process just flowed for me. Unfortunately, I only had the desk for two weeks before my husband started working from home and oh, took over the desk. Burn! <laughs> <Like, laughs> And we also still had too many big large furniture items in the home for us to fit a set and too many children for us to fit a second desk in the home. So I started creating my works then at, at, late at night on large pieces of core flute that I could move oh, around. perfect. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I I was creating works pretty quickly then. It would sort of I'd knock one over in a couple of hours, take photographs wow. of it, and then disassemble it. A couple it. of hours. Yeah, the work incredible. Now it takes me twenty hours to make an artwork, so (laughs) I'm putting more pressure on myself now. But the quality of my art has sort of improved a bit and changed. I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to make quite simple artworks that were sort of inspiring to parents of young children. Mm -hmm. My artworks were really targeted at, yeah, young families. So I was making playful kind of little animal faces using, yeah rubbish basically
2: yeah. and
0: um and my art took on you know it brought together my two passions which are the environment and art and I found that it was really inspiring people or or that's that was my hope and then I was getting some great feedback from people that mm. my art was motivating them to be more sustainable in their living and in their practices so mm. that became my goal so now my my art making mission, I suppose, is to make art completely from pre-loved and secondhand things and single-use plastics. I use a lot of single-use plastics and each of my works is trying to send my audience a message about um, just treading lightly on our planet but also in uh, recycling and Mm. all sorts of environmental issues.
2: (laughs) Who would have thought that a journey that started off with decluttering then merge, like there's this beautiful um, synchronicity. What's the word? Synch- synchronicity. That's the one, synchronicity, <laughs> between your artistic passion, your love for the environment, creating space, allowing that creativity to flow. Um, before we go on, can you tell people your Instagram handle so they can go and have a look because they definitely are going to want to see your works?
0: Thank you. Uh, yes, it's the Bowerbird Herd. Herd go as in go a herd of animals. Yeah, yeah. a bowerbird herd. The bowerbird is an Australian bird. Well, there's several different bowerbirds and they collect things just for the listeners that might not know what a bowerbird is.
2: Yeah, they're the collectors of, they see the, the I think in a bowerbird, I always think they're the birds that see potential in things. And I think that that is so much of what you art. I mean, sometimes I'll scroll and I'll be looking at your stuff on Instagram. And I think I look at it and I forget that it's secondhand collected things because it's so beautiful. And then when you look at the detail, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a bottle cap or that's a ring or that's a lollipop stick or like Mm. you, you forget sometimes that how rubbish can be made so beautiful.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. And I love it now. I mean, I'm, my art career is really starting to take off, which is kind of exciting. I, I'm a guest artist in an exhibition in October. I never really wow. thought, I interesting, I mentioned before when I looked through Facebook and I found this post that I wrote in 2019 at the end of 2019. It's before I signed up to the Head, Heart and Home course and I was in that junk room and I'd found my folder of university artworks and I I didn't know. I'd, it's the folder I'd been putting off for so long because mm. it was the sentimental stuff. It was the stuff that was sort of, symbolic of that time in my life that I felt where I I had so much hope that I could become an artist. And I wrote in my Facebook post something along the lines of, you know, this is really hard. I I have to throw out these artworks. What do I do? Do I photograph them? These these are from that time that was so important to me. And in my heart, I'd love to be an artist again, but with three small children, I just don't think it's going to happen. And two months later (laughs) or three months later, I was making art again and two years from that on now I actually do call myself an artist, which is just really amazing. <laughs> so but, awesome.
2: What, yeah. um, What would you say to other people who are feeling that they have perhaps lost opportunity for creativity and artistry? What have been some of the habits or the um the space that you've given yourself that could be helpful to others who are like, wow, I would love to get back into crocheting, painting, going and collecting from the local park and creating art?
1: Mm.
0: I think for me it was about connecting with other creative friends who I had,
2: mm.
0: no matter how big or small they they were expressing their creativity in their own lives and talking to them and Saying it out loud a lot to people and saying, oh, I've got this idea for a children's book, or, you know, I want to start painting again and talking to my creative friends about that. If you're lucky enough, like I was, I suppose to have some creative friends. And then also just trying to get away from the chaos of your everyday. Um, and that might mean having a decluttered space in your home that is just uh-huh. your own. I hadn't had a space that was just my own since moving into that home and having children. Uh, and I, and I carved that space out for myself and mm. that was really important for me. And the bushwalks, you know, like that hasn't stopped. I love going out and getting and connecting with nature, but it's just really quiet out there. So just getting away from your screens and your children,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, just getting away from, just getting away from um, people who are talking, I suppose, so that you can just think quietly. And I guess that's mm. meditative practice for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It
2: sounds like you've rediscovered yourself as well. Like I know in those early years of motherhood, it can be all-consuming, but how important it is to say, I need a space. And it may not, you know, people may not have a whole room. They may just need to have that board, as you said, and maybe a wheelie trolley with their resources that they can set up wherever. Um, It might be outside. It might be in the laundry. It might be on the kitchen bench. Like there's how do you carve out space so that you can re-explore that side of yourself. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about using recycled items. Have you always <laughs> been um, that way-minded, even as a child, or like what has led to mm. going? Actually, I don't want to use. I think we call them first-generation materials. Or, like, tell tell us about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I guess I was raised by very environmentally conscious parents. I remember mum lining, she did this for, not for a long time, but for long enough that I remember it. She lined our rubbish bin with newspaper because she didn't want to use plastic bags. (laughs)
2: Oh and it great. just got a bit
0: stinky really. So she had yeah, to a bit had slimy to to at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, we had a useful box, you know. Mum would keep all the all the toilet paper rolls like so yeah. many kids who who grew up in Australia in the 80s and probably watched play, Watch school. play school. We had a useful box, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and made things. So all that that was really fostered in me. And um and I think just valuing. Old things, you know, oh. as well. We didn't really buy a lot of new things. I think as a kid, we were wearing pre-loved clothes as well. Yeah. So that was already with that was already part of of how I'd been raised.
1: Oh. And then
0: I I remember watching the War on Waste on the ABC uh, when yeah. my twin boys were quite young. Yeah. And that really sparked a fire in me. I just thought, yeah. I mean, I was astounded to see this enormous pile of clothing that they would that they had on the screen that they were talking about, this is how many clothes are thrown out worldwide every minute or something.
2: Uh, It was
0: mortifying. Yeah, it was really mortifying. And I I just, that really started uh, the ball rolling for me. I I wrote an article Mm. for my local uh, district mum's Facebook page because I'd I'd written a post on there where they'd said, uh, I'd written a post on there saying, hey, you know something about, being sustainable. Mm. And it it had heaps and heaps and heaps of comments. And there was a a real interest in that. So the admins of the page asked me to write an article on um, living more sustainably Mm. as a parent with small children. So I went through that process and that got me really thinking about the things I was doing. And then I had girlfriends with small children around me start to say, oh, I really love how, you know, you are taking your muesli wrappers home to put them in your soft plastics and uh, tell me more about your soft plastic recycling what is it that you do you were ahead of the game on that one (laughs) yeah and and just I just I don't know I just talked a lot about composting and (laughs) things that I was doing at home probably um second nature
2: because I think there is a hurdle when you start to you know set aside the soft plastics or do whatever that next step is for you so for some people it would be like oh, i really should actually recycle my milk cartons and for other people they're like well where can i recycle my toothbrushes so you know i think there's a spectrum and a journey and there yeah. is somewhat of a mental hurdle to overcome where you think it's going to be arduous laborsome annoying dirty messy um time consuming you think you know you build it up and then you're like oh, this is actually Aligns with my values, and so therefore, mm. the the small amount of time that I invest in it only goes to serve the values that I have around sustainability and looking after the environment and reusing. And so, I I really I love when people start that journey, um, and it does sound like you're ahead of the game, and then actually saying to people, "This is possible. Like you can do this. This is part of you know we say that we care about the environment, but this is part of that."
0: And I think. Uh, the space, having the space to do it is a big thing as well. Mm. I had a bucket under my sink where I was shoving my soft plastics and it was a bit, you know, it's under the sink area can get a bit gross. And it was a very old home that we were renting in. Yeah. We've moved into a new home now and it has four rubbish bins what? in a pull-out drawer. <laughs> so I have a massive soft plastics Bin. Uh, and my kids were really into craft, no surprises as to why. And they were bringing home a lot of stuff from preschool covered in paddle pop sticks and plastic buttons and beads and things like that. And uh, actually, their preschool is an incredibly great place and they're really into recycling there. But I was pulling, when I was throwing their craft out, I was pulling those buttons and paddle pop sticks off the craft because I just couldn't bear to put them in the rubbish bin when mm-hmm. we could make something else with them. And I started to think about how. I had a ribbon collection because when I receive gifts from people, I keep the ribbon because definitely it's going to be reused and I even keep the gift wrap if I can. Yeah. And my friends know that they're going to get a present from me that might have some tears in the paper and that's okay.
2: Perfect.
0: <laughs> and 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 so through my art and then the boys, of course, had these buckets and buckets of stuff that they'd collected, which I also was decluttering and throwing out mm-hmm. so that we had one tub and not five tubs of rubbish cluttering our back deck. And when I was going through that process of decluttering the collections, I was finding useful little things like there was a unicorn bouncy ball and there was a unicorn Mm. ring and there was a unicorn hair clip. And suddenly I found myself going, oh, I just can't. I know this is a dirty thing that actually has dirt on it and no one in my family probably is ever going to wear a unicorn hair clip, although Mm. they did. (laughs) (laughs) They did. The boys used to love putting their hair clips on when they were younger. I just felt there was a second life for these objects. I did I just actually mm-hmm. couldn't bring myself to throw them in the bin. Yeah, and this was just, you know, that child who'd watched too much play school who yep. wanted to create <laughs> coming out in me again. So that's actually how it started. I the first artwork I made was a bower bird, just with blue stuff that the boys had collected. And then I made a, a lion out of all the yellow ribbon.
2: Yellows, yeah, yeah. That
0: I had. And then we went into a lockdown and I made an owl out of um corks, like all the things because everyone was talking about how. All of a sudden, they had to be teachers at home of their own children. Mm. And people were making jokes about how much more alcohol they were consuming. So I made an owl out of corks and bottle <laughs> top lids with newspaper clippings for the wings. And on one of the wings, it said, Don't panic. Because that's actually the headline on our local paper when everyone <laughs> was going into a lockdown. It said, Don't panic. And the owl was a bit cross eyed and it was called with The those Wasted big eyes. Oh, <laughs> because <laughs> all of a sudden we had to be scholars at home and we were all apparently wasted so I thought that was quite funny that's great and then I went on yeah I made a duck out of bread tags and bread bags we find a lot of oh, the boys used to find a lot of bread tags littered in playgrounds so in I made a duck in Maybe playgrounds people are because people are having picnics. yeah right you know those rice those corn thins come with bread tags. Uh, People are snacking on those and dropping their bread tags. So I made a duck and I called it, don't feed the ducks because people obviously should not be feeding bread to ducks. So I use bread bags and bread. Yeah. I made a worm out of, um, egg cartons and it was all about composting and trying to encourage people to compost their egg cartons and talking about all the things we can, we can compost. And, uh, I made a magpie out of black cable ties because it's magpie sweeping season here in Australia now and people it stick is. them at the <laughs> yeah, people their put cable ties <laughs> in their helmets to try yeah. deter the magpies. <laughs> so I made a magpie uh, out of uh, cable ties and, and I was finding cable ties all over the ground in playgrounds because council workers had come and removed the playground closure signs oh, when, yes.
2: when the so first all COVID the, lockdown
0: stopped. All the boundaries. And the cable ties. Yeah they were left on the ground so yeah I was really exploring litter and making art with it and storytelling and there's
2: a really strong and storytelling, storytelling yeah. theme through
0: it all trying to promote yeah trying to promote all all just sustainable practices I suppose mm. and my artwork was really targeted at young children and families so then I started doing um, tours of primary schools and workshops for for young children and mm bringing my, my teaching into it as well. So it's, it's actually just led to this really fulfilling career for me now. And yeah, like I said, I'm calling myself an artist and it's really exciting and I'm making works as well for a, that adults actually want to buy and put on their walls, which yeah, is exciting. Yeah, because they're beautiful.
2: Like they're yes. not just, you know, they're not Thank just you. the place
0: useful box thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually one of my works yeah, it's a really huge unicorn. It's made it made out of single-use birthday party plastics and she's very sparkly. Oh. And I use her on my workshops because the kids love her. And she's got that bouncy ball that I was telling you about. Oh, as her I haven't eye. seen
2: her. I'll have to have a look on your Insta yeah, have to have, have, a, have look. a look
0: at her. And one of the mums came up and asked me if she could buy it. And I said, oh, sorry, I need this one. to teach teaching resource. You, such...
1: <laughs> you <conditioner>. never know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't assume that people don't want to buy, you know, the the possum that's made out of hubcaps and the unicorn that's made out of birthday party waste because maybe they do.
2: Of course they anyway. do because they <laughs> it's a it's a story piece as well in your home. Like I can only yeah. imagine if you've got that and you've got it displayed and someone comes in they're like, tell me about this artwork. Because then you can say, well, this, you know, this is the story and there's that inspiration and education, um, which obviously are both important to you. I want to jump back to the play school comment of the useful box because I grew up with a useful box um, yes. and I think when I went to kinder there was a useful box because each family would bring things for the useful box and it was over summer when you had your paddle pops when you finished finish licking them you would <laughs> take them to kinder for artwork But nowadays, most of the supplies in any kinder, childcare, school, are first generation products. So they aren't the lollipop sticks that you've used. They're brand new lollipop sticks to do the artwork Mm. with. And so the useful box, um, you know, you used to be able to, I used to do toilet paper people or toilet roll people and I would make families because I saw it once at on play school and so you'd yes. have like off cuts of fabric or textiles, hair, and you'd have buttons desires eyes and all of these things. But once my kids were at primary school, you couldn't donate toilet rolls. They had to buy the toilet rolls brand new from the supplier. So for families, obviously you can reuse things, but w- where's the limit, Nick? How do you yeah. go from, you know, having two tubs of, things and art supplies? How do you store them? How do you put a limit on it? How do you decide what to let go of? And when you are letting go of things, what do you do with them? Do you just put them in the bin? Do you tell me all the things?
0: Yeah, I I do have a lot of people offering me things now because Mm. I have this community now of followers who love what I do. And they say, hey, so just last week, somebody contacted me and said, I have this rusty old bike. And my daughter said, give it to the To the artistic lady, (laughs) which was so nice. Uh, And I just had to say, oh, thank you, but my garage is at capacity, and I actually, which is true, and I don't have space for that right now. What I've done with my collections, I have obviously a lot of plastic lids, but I've found a place where you can, lids for kids they're called in Australia. Mm. It's a community of people around, certainly around the city of Sydney, but I think they're in other cities as well, a community of volunteers who will collect plastic lids. So when I find that I have too many plastic lids, I can sort them by colour, make sure they're clean and give them to lids for kids who recycle them and turn them into uh, prosthetic hands for children.
2: Ah, We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: lids for kids. Lids four, (laughs) the number four. Uh, So I, yeah, I've containerized. I have large tubs stacked up in my garage for those collections that I take along to workshops.
2: Yeah, great.
0: I've used... The bags, when you buy a pillow or a quilt, they come Mm -hmm. in a big plastic bag with a handle. With a zip and a handle. And they're clear so I can see what's in there. So they're really great. So uh, my collections for workshops are actually stored in those bags inside tubs stacked up. Oh, excellent. Just to kind of keep them out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then in my office, my actual art studio is a very small desk and members of the Head, Heart and Home community just last Sunday night suggested to me because I was feeling a bit uh, – things had become a bit chaotic and messy around my desk as I'm trying to complete a series of bird artworks at the moment and I'm on a deadline. They mm-hmm. said, why don't you just pull out a trestle table and put it in your office and just allow yourself to expand for this yeah. for this chapter. And I've done that and it's great. So yeah. I do have like one of those – a couple of those IKEA Kallax units in my, um, in my office mm-hmm. with – Baskets that are labelled and collections in there that I'm specifically saving up for future artworks. So I have a collection of fashion-related waste. Mm. I listened to your your interview with Claire Press at the end of 2019, oh, and I was so inspired. Claire. Yeah, that was a great uh, great interview, and I decided I needed to make an artwork about fast fashion. So I have a collection in there of kind of. Labels and uh, plastic coat hangers and things. So I'm saving those. And then I have a collection of soy sauce fish, those little. Mm-hmm. And if it's not something I'm collecting for an artwork that I have a plan for, and I can't see it as something that kids could use in my workshops, and mm-hmm. I just. Say no thank you to it, or I yeah. chuck it in the bin, or I recycle yeah. it if it's something I've found. Uh-huh. When we're out now, I do river cleanups, uh, organized by this amazing local Kelly. And I found with her, actually, we found and a lot of volunteers, we found over 2,000 lollipop sticks in the Parramatta River. What, yeah, bonkers! People are dropping that them in the is... and they're washing down drains into the river. Wow. Over 2,000. So we made a giant lollipop out of those. <laughs> but now I don't need to save lollipop sticks yeah, anymore. Yeah. I'm still picking them up, but I'm just chucking them in the bin. But bin, so, yeah. 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 So we're just, I'm just quite mindful about what I actually need to be collecting and what I don't. Mm. And if I, have, if I have five gardening magazines for my birds, my backyard garden birds that I'm making, five magazines is enough
2: yeah, so you've got those natural limits on things. Yeah, and I think yeah. the containerization is is really key too, because sometimes that useful box for, you know can just become a whole lot of stuff that has no purpose because there are tiny little bits of ribbon down the bottom. You know and if people are thinking, "Wow, Nick's got like calx units and a garage full of things, you could get mm. a tackle box and actually have, you know, you might only have 15 buttons and that fits in a spot in a tackle box, or you could get, you know, those um, craft storage that might be a few drawers. So you can containerize and you can have that scaled to the appropriateness of whatever your hobby is going to be and how you're going to reuse things.
0: Yeah. And another key thing for me, I should mention is just my local pay it forward community on Facebook. Mm. There's a really strong community there. So I really, the decluttering process for me is a slow process because I really struggle to put things in the rubbish bin mm-hmm. unless of course they are, it is rubbish. <laughs> so I pay it forward things, even empty jars. I'll get. I'll c- collect enough yeah. empty pesto jars until I yeah. have 10 and then somebody will want them. So really sort of thinking about the things that we have and what is the second use for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned those plastic drawers and I picked up some of those on the side of the road.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. Um,
0: Recently, but I've realised I don't need them, so I'm going to pay it forward, those ones, and somebody will use them.
2: There's an episode that we did with one of our community members, Sylvia, called The Holding Zone, and that's where we talk about a lot of what we're talking about. So those items where you're recycling or you're wanting to take them to, you know, your batteries, your light globes, your toothbrushes, all the different things that you can recycle. Um, And I think what I'm hearing for you is one of the keys is you don't seem to delay a lot of your decisions. So you're like, yes, I'm keeping the pesto jars, but at 10 I put it on the pay it forward site. And, yes, I'm keeping, you know, feathers, but they're contained to this site, this amount of size. Um, yeah, that's right. Do nice. you find that that is that a true reflection of how you've managed to contain it so that you can continue to be creative?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right, I, I, and, it, and it wasn't always that way. That's the mindset mm. change that's happened for me in decluttering. Mm. I had a massive bag of uh, colourful feathers. I remember how in one of your episodes you referred to how that made you puff oh, up whenever you saw a craft feather, and I, I did it because I had craft feathers oh. everywhere. Yeah, craft feathers are my nemesis. Yeah, well, somebody had given me a bag of craft feathers, and um it was huge. It was just more craft feathers than any person needed. <laughs> so, yeah, I gave away a bunch of those, and I remember getting messages from a couple of my local friends going, "Don't you need those feathers? You're yes. <laughs> a crafty have person." Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, isn't this so funny? The thing that people have time to message you about. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I've kept a small container of craft feathers. And, yeah. and you know, that was two years ago. And I still have that small container of craft yeah. feathers. I probably do didn't need to keep any of them because yeah, um, clearly we don't use craft feathers. But yeah, that is definitely a true reflection. And it's and it's somewhere I've gotten to. And the containerization is key to that. Yeah, uh-huh. having those limits.
2: And, How would you yeah. encourage families to do that with children? So I love containerizing things and a lot of our listeners do. How do you, so if I've got a child that's super creative, loves that bird, like I want to go and collect things, any mm. ideas on how to do that for them? Or is the useful box, chuck it all in together, better for the way their brains work? Tell us from your teacher
0: mm. side of things. Oh look! I think for me, I have the plastic pull-out drawers, and inside one plastic drawer, I have four containers. Mm -hmm. None of them have lids on them. Yep. One has textures. One has crowns. One has pencils. One has more textures. I can pull that whole drawer out, and or or just the textures and stick them on the Mm -hmm. table. I can. Then there's another drawer that just has the toilet paper rolls in it, and I can pull that out, and they can rummage. But I definitely feel for me, and I've been through all of the different versions I had at the old. I place. can imagine the interactions <laughs> with <would> be many. <laughs> yeah, at the old place where we had no storage, I had one of those four cube Calax units, and I just had those a big pull out cube yeah. where all of the paper and scraps would go mm-hmm. and it didn't really get used. It just became a messy thing because there was, it, they had to deep dive.
2: Yes. <laughs> they had yep. to
0: dig down and excavate to see what was down there and it just didn't work. So a shallower container with the with the toilet rolls and the useful bits of cardboard or ribbon mm-hmm. or whatever that they can access and the rest I just recycle. If, it's, yeah. if that container is too full, I have to recycle it. But I, it's been a real journey for me. Like I remember... And I actually, I saw this on that on as I said when I googled my name, there was a whole washing basket late at night where I chucked mm. out craft because they were bringing home so much craft from preschool mm. and then making even more of it. And every item was so precious. Yeah. <laughs> There's even a bluey episode about it. You know, you've got to throw the craft out when they're not yeah. looking. <laughs> and then I <laughs> created a big uh, folder where I'd put their favorite things, and now they've taken ownership of that because they're mm. seven. They they love yeah. to look through their craft folder and. And 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 now they're throwing out, they're decluttering themselves. One of my boys in particular is an amazing declutterer and mm. he will just go through and be ruthless and say, I don't need these paintings, these finger paintings I did when I'm four and I'm there going, oh, but just why don't you just keep one of them? Yeah, <laughs> 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 keep one in his special box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I might have a view in my special box. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It sounds like um, yeah. um, one of accessible the accessible containers. Yeah, yeah, and I think the clear containers is something you've mentioned a few times where, no, like if you cannot have a lid because it's in a drawer, don't have the lid up because I imagine, and I'm not artistic, I'm quite creative, but I'm not artistic at all. My husband's quite artistic, um, is that sometimes you need that visual uh, inspiration. So if you've got a whole box of papers, you can't see that, tiny shred of metallic that actually gives you the idea of I'm going to create a robot and Mm. so actually being able to see things perhaps is also part of you know inspiring yourself to do the things rather than just collect the
0: things. Yeah my three-year-old will go over to our craft cupboard now and he'll open it up and there is a box sitting there with paper in it, which is Mm -hmm. the paper to make your art with. And if there is not a white piece on the top, but there is a colourful piece on the top, he'll stand there and look at me and say, I need white paper. (laughs) And they're going, it's in the box. You just need to dig down. But yeah, it's just not go right with you. in front of him. <laughs> so he struggles because it's not right in front of his face. Yeah. That probably just speaks to his personality a bit as well, actually. You need and to, like, perhaps just, I just need to train him.
2: <laughs> yeah, just put a uh, magazine holder on the inside of the door that just has white paper for <laughs> White paper, yeah, <laughs> <That's> exactly. <right.
0: laughs>
2: I, yeah. Um, I think that there's so much that people are going to take away. Is there anything I haven't? ask that you think actually that would be really really helpful for our community that you're just itching to tell them more about this thing
0: oh uh, not that I can think of other than to just to keep on chipping away at your clutter mm-hmm. because yeah and set your goal set your vision think about what it is the big picture thing that you want because I think it's easy to get bogged down in the everyday and and the mess and and tick off all the little things off the box like emptying the dishwasher, but yep. ultimately, if those big dreams and goals aren't happening,
2: but that's that's yeah. part of it, is that you set the vision, mm. and even sometimes when we set vision, we feel like it is so far away. But we're sitting here three years later, and as you said, thanks to setting that vision and doing the decluttering and and freeing yourself, you call yourself an artist, and not only do you call yourself an artist. You are an artist. Yeah. Like that is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually. (laughs) It's really nice when you think of it and you hear it summarised like that because I don't think I definitely wouldn't have been here if I'd still kept living in that overwhelming clutter. I wouldn't be here now. So, yeah. Ah, Nick. Thanks to you and (laughs) Kirsty.
2: Thanks to your hard work and your commitment to your dreams and and helping, you know, live out your own values. Because that's, like, what is the purpose of decluttering if it's not that you get to live uh, an exciting, free, doing the things you love life? Like if you just decluttered so you can sit there and go, great, I've got a decluttered house. That's not much fun.
0: Yeah. And it's a, and it's actually I will add that it's constant. It the clutter comes mm. back in. You know, I'm struggling mm. with that now in my art space. So, but it's having the skills to remember that, you know, if you can just carve out a couple of hours to clear that space again, then you can get back to your creative work and the the decluttering is constant. It doesn't mm. end. No. But it just becomes like you've you've spoken about the muscles and once they're there, it just becomes easier. Mm. Yeah.
2: All right, I'm going to read a review, Nick. Um, okay. Usually Kirsty reads them when they're so small on the screen, but I'm just going to see if there we go. I can make it a little bit bigger. Um, this is a review from Abigail in Canada. She says, hi, I'm French. Oh, it says, love your podcast and it's a five-star review. Hi, I'm French, now living in Canada, Quebec. I love listening to you two every week, lots of interesting ideas. I've listened to all of your episodes, which is very impressive. Still have lots of work to do in the house, but I know I can always go back and find the perfect episode for each task. And I think that is part of the benefit of being over 300 episodes, is that we're talking about new things every week because we haven't talked about creating art from recycled products. We haven't Mm -hmm. talked about becoming an artist before, but when it comes to your laundry, go find an episode about laundry, just search laundry (laughs) and you'll find what you need. Um, But if you do have that passion, that creativity, maybe it's music, maybe it's you want to foster care and you know that the junk room's the thing holding you back, like use that vision, as Nick said, to propel yourself to have the motivation and then you free yourself to do the things that you love. Hmm. Nick, what a pleasure. (laughs) What a pleasure! Thanks, Please, Amy. everybody, go, go, go over to Instagram and just have your mind blown. I'm going to go find this unicorn because I have not seen her. What, <laughs> does she have a name?
0: She's called Paulette the Party Pony. <laughs> She's she is a unicorn.
2: <laughs> I love it. I will go find Paulette, um, Thank and you. <laughs> we'll pop some links in our show notes. Thank you so much. Nick.
0: Thank you, you so much for having me, Amy, oh, and Kirsty. Feel, <laughs> feel better. Feel
2: better, Kirst. And right. we'll see you next week. Thanks, Thanks Bye. Nick. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learnt something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the of decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.